Welcome back to the Salty Lot Podcast. Three ladies with more salt than Lot's wife, deconstructing and discussing problems in the conservative evangelical Christian church in America. Today, we are continuing our episodes about sexual assault and predation in the conservative evangelical church. Trigger warning, these episodes will cover disturbing material, including sexual assault, and most likely will not be appropriate for kids. We do cover distressing topics. Please listen carefully and take care of yourself. We are also learning. Please have grace with us when we say something poorly or make mistakes. We are open to correction on this journey and invite you along with us. Hi, I'm Liz. I'm deconstructing from the Independent Fundamental Baptist Church in my childhood and the Presbyterian Church of America in my teens and young adulthood. Um, I am now attending an evangelical free church. And I'm Yael, deconstructing from the Assemblies of God, um, and then later the Messianic Movement, and I am now a practicing Jew. I'm Melissa, deconstructing from Baptist and non-denominational churches, and I'm now a baby Episcopalian. And we're joined by Carl today, who, although I did feed her, um, apparently has stuff to say. So uh, you guys will hear a cat. I live in one room. I can't put her anywhere. <laughs> okay, we did take a tangent last week at the end of the episode, but that's probably just going to be how we roll. Um, so we're refocusing at the beginning of this episode. We're talking about sexual assault. Um, in the conservative evangelical church of America, how it happens, maybe not how it happens, like why does it happen so much with a church that is so fixated on sexual purity? Lots of reasons, none of them good. Oh, and I did want to make a note. We are recording this June 28th. This week, Roe v. Wade was overturned. This is clearly a significant moment in American history as many states move to make severe prohibitions against abortions, including in cases of rape. This is also a pertinent aspect of the topic of sexual abuse in the church. We wanted to mention this as the cultural backdrop of what's happening as we record this episode. And it's ironic because like, as I put at the top of like our episode notes after all that interest of, it's all about the hierarchy and power, which I frankly believe is what the Roe v. Wade stuff comes down to as well. Be that as it may. <laughs> so if you haven't grown up in the conservative <laughs> the Evangelical Christian Church of America, which sounds like a denomination, it's not a denomination, it's just a bunch of people that believe in I think I, <sighs> If you talk to them, there'd be quite a wide array of beliefs. Like I had a much more conservative upbringing than, than Jordan did. Um, he had a much more liberal upbringing than I did. Like, oh my gosh, his sisters wore bikinis. Like <gasps> clearly, and his parents like would drink alcohol. Like what, what is this hedonism? But still part of that same culture, you still get the purity talks, you still have the Christian nationalism, 
Um, there are definitely core tenets of belief um, that cross the spectrum of evangelical Christianity. One of them being patriarchy, sometimes referred to as complementarianism, which basically boils down to, you wanna know who's in charge? It's the guy with the penis. Because that's, that's, that's qualifications for being in charge. And I just want to interject and say that I grew up in the conservative evangelical conservative, uh, you know, like Christian circles. <laughs> I didn't know that like the hierarchy, the patriarchy was called complementarism until you came along. And I was like, what does this mean? And then I got a whole lecture. <laughs> I'm here to educate and serve. <laughs> I was just like, that's a name. <laughs> I think that's what made it worse was when you give something a name that means it's a thing like it's a set in stone part a pillar of a theology uh, yeah. like you know you give something a name you're like words and names are powerful and so when I realized that it has a name I was like oh wow this is like a whole pillar in the theology of the CEC that you have to tear down in order to see a change. This isn't like a, yeah. a small group of people. It's, it's, a, it's the entire thing. Yeah. And the thing that gets me as I've done my research, as I've read and studied, I don't want to use the term research because that's thrown around so often. People say, well, I did my research. No, no, no. You did not perform a research study. You did not do a meta-analysis of a bunch of research papers you read stuff or you watched stuff of people who theoretically knew what they were doing and explained things to you. Like that's, that's an important difference to me because um, research is thrown around so cavalierly. I did my research. You read five web articles and watched two TikTok videos. Yes, that's my research. No, 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 no. <laughs> if you can't, I kind of, because uh, you know, I'm a history major. And so the way it's explained with one of my instructors, um, she was like, listen, we love YouTube. We love TikTok. She's like, however, you cannot cite a TikTok in your paper. She's like, so you can use it as like a jumping off point to see if other people out there think the same way. But you have to go find actual peer-reviewed scholarly articles to cite in your source. And so that's yeah. kind of how I see research. Like if you can cite it, if it's an honest to goodness thing you can cite, that's research. If it's a TikTok or YouTube, okay, you found somebody else that thinks like you, you know. Mm -hmm. Yep. Just, yeah. just a and tip I love for it. you college people. <laughs> I love it when TikTokers like cite their sources in their comments that I'm like yes because then drop you know, a link makes it easier a link. oh a link I thought you said drop yeah. a leak I was like we're not in a boat what <laughs> do vegetables have to do with anything well then I was thinking like the vegetable leak and I'm like oh what kind of what kind of really yummy dish are you eating today like I want in on this <laughs> link <laughs> <laughs> It's your southern drawl. <laughs> Always gonna make fun of it. Oh, 
I wasn't going to make fun of it. I love your drawl. I'm just boring in Pacific Northwest to you. Like the universal bleh American accent. Like it's just annoying. Like I sound like every newscaster ever. <laughs> anyway, so patriarchy and complementarianism, it's a huge pillar in the CEC and it goes under different guises. And frankly, it goes by many disguises too. <sighs> I'm gonna share a story. This is a mild tangent, but it is relevant. And you guys have heard me talk about this story before. Am I, oh gosh, I hope I didn't talk about it in the last podcast. But Jordan's church that he grew up in would, ident would not identify with patriarchy and it would not identify with complementarianism. It would say that it is egalitarian, if they even knew that word, um, that, that marriage is between two equals. However, the way they talked about marriage, I went to a sermon and the pastor, uh, we, we went and visited one day and the pastor was speaking on marriage. This was before we were married. And as marriages, he was talking about how a woman is a helpmeet. She was made to help the man. And the reason the man needs help, and these are the only two reasons he gave, I kid you not. One, because men don't have fashion sense and need to be taught how to dress. And two, men don't know when to change their dirty bed sheets. And that right there really reveals the true position of women in their minds and in their theology. They are created to tell a man what to wear and to change his bed sheets. Neither of which, both of those jobs can be done by Siri. You give her some arms and legs. <laughs> Neither of those jobs are needed by a human with feelings and thoughts and opinions and dreams and emotions and Carmel Jade, get off of mama. You know, I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. And this thinking about women has just infused, infused, infused the conservative evangelical Christian Church of America. And that I believe is why rape and sexual assault, it's a contributing factor anyway, are so huge in the church because rape is not about sex. Rape is about power. And hierarchy exists as a system of power distribution. I had a good thought that my cat bumped my face. Now I don't know what I'm talking about anymore. Like, yeah, no, hierarchy exists as a system of power. Who has it and who doesn't? And uh, in patriarchy, even when it's disguised as complementarianism, it's the people who were born with a penis. Sounds like a great qualification for me. Oh, I want to say something, but I don't, I don't think I should. You can always edit it out later. Okay. I was just going to say, um, you know, if penis is the only way to be the upper person in anything anybody can go and buy one 
Let's be. <laughs> I mean, they have strap-ons. <laughs> Hang on, I have a. They have a big meeting today at the corporate office. I need to get my power penis. <laughs> you can. You can. I might edit some of this out, but like you can get any color you want. You can get any size you want. You can... This is terrifying. <laughs> I am just saying, if that is the only, only qualification. No, I'm not going to finish that. I'm not going to out anyone on the web. Carry on. <laughs> but I mean. Actually, if it is the only qualification, we could make some very unqualified men if we just uh, did some farming techniques. Scalpel. We just need a scalpel. (laughs) Anyway. (laughs) So. Yes. (laughs) It is a hierarchy. And I find it interesting that it's so insidious because you look at Jesus's teachings about do not have power over others. If you're in a position of power, then you get to serve other people and do the dirty jobs and do the nasty jobs. You don't get to lord it over them. Anyway. So this complementary, it's interesting. This movement actually took root and gained momentum in my lifetime. It was pretty well in swing when you guys were born. But I remember watching it grow, watching it take off. It was wild. Suddenly dating was the super bad guy of all time is that when courtship gained traction mm-hmm. okay mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yep thanks to joshua harris bless his <laughs> heart is he still single do we know that he got married? He married oh mm-hmm. and he got divorced recently <laughs> i'm That's sorry part of I, shouldn't laugh. I shouldn't laugh <laughs> It's just, it's ironic. Oh, well. It is. It is ironic. And, and, like, like, you built a whole ministry off of saying, if you want to have a good marriage and it's a lasting marriage, this is what you do. This is the right way to make sure that you guys will stay married until you die. This is the right way. And then you go and get divorced. It's like, okay, either you didn't follow your own advice to a T or that's not the right way to do things or that's not the only way to do things. Yeah. So speaking of you stayed married till the, the end of time, uh, the permanence view of marriage is something that is held in a lot of evangelical Christian conservative churches. And it is promoted by a lot of these teachers who are very prominent in these circles. Focus on the family promotes the permanence view of marriage. John Piper promotes the permanence view of marriage. Oh, I don't think I've actually, ever actually said this dude's name aloud. Let's try it. Vadi Bacham promotes the permanence view of marriage. I see that you're confused, Dale. Um, you're going to be happy 
and wish that you were able to return to the land of ignorance before you knew his name. <laughs> the more I learn, the more I'm appalled because I used, like, I used to, my old pastors would preach the stuff that he promotes and I didn't even like know who he was. You know, I mean, I'm pretty, I'm pretty confident that he was cited in a sermon right next to like C.S. Lewis or Charles Spurgeon or John or, um, well, yeah, I was, I was reformed though. So, (laughs) so I still love um, you. (laughs) and and promoted promoted his stuff and he was cited just like right next to all these other theologian greats if you will and and I just remember like some of his stuff and I was just like what in the heck and then like I've kind of started to fall down his rabbit hole and I'm just like oh my goodness this is just appalling and and, you know, seeing the fallout that's happened from it, it's just like, this has been abused. Like, there's not even, I mean, there's really, I think a lot of his stuff, there's not even a way to apply it without it being abusive. Um, like, oh, well, you're just misapplying it. Because that's always, that's what everyone always says, right? Like, you call someone out on yeah. what they're what they're writing in a book or what they're saying in a sermon or what they're promoting on a blog or what they're tweeting on Twitter. And they're like, well, you, you're just not doing it right enough. And it's like, depending on what it is or who it is, it's like, literally people have died. What do you mean I'm not doing it right? <laughs> if something is mm-hmm. so easily misapplied and we don't question if like the inherent assumption or the inherent tool is like maybe radically warped already. Like if it's so hard to do it right so nobody gets hurt, then why aren't you Mm -hmm. trying a different way? Why aren't you doing things differently? Which comes back to hierarchy. It's, it really is the, the, the root of so many layers of this mess. And it, it relates even to how God is viewed. Oh, yeah. Is it okay to say God, or would you prefer us to say something different? You can say what you want. I'll just probably say whatever words I want. And I'll probably have to explain it. (laughs) (laughs) So like the reason you obey the Bible, oh, because it's God's word. God said so. So you have to. The reason you have to get saved, well, God said so. And he's God. And it's amazing to me that this has caught on so heavily in America. Because I feel like America is so against monarchy, which is divine right to rule by hierarchy of God. But now we just like reapply it to mean like, oh, well, you're divinely appointed to rule by God if you're white, if you're Christian, and if you have penis. Like that's how you know that God has divinely ordained you to rule and be in charge of everybody. And it plays out in the way children are raised too, because children have to obey. Why? Because the parents know what's best for them. Why? Because the parents care about them. No, because the parents are the boss. They're the ones over the children. Yeah. So I have a hard time with this whole uh, patriarchy thing because 
this is a really really good thing um oh my gosh she's a jewish lady on um big bang theory my um i can't remember her last name anyway she's she does really really wonderful she said something one day um that kind of finally explained how i see it you know when you're a jewish you are raised on the tongues of men such as our our founding fathers our patriarchy abraham isaac and jacob but at the same time were raised on the tongues of these strong women, you know, Sarah mm. and Ra- uh, Rebecca and Rachel and Leah, and then later Tamar and Rahab and Hadassah and Yael, my foremother, and all these other amazing women. We don't have a patriarchy or matriarch. We have the patriarchs and we have the matriarchs, but as a Jew, you should want to embody both sides of them you should want to embody the um, qualities of abraham and the qualities of sarah um isaac as well as rebecca jacob as well as rachel and you you know it's not men should only follow the patriarchy and women must follow what the matriarchs did because if you actually read the bible (laughs) actually read the torah you will see it was a partnership every single one of those marriages it was a partnership Sarah got mad Abraham was in trouble Sarah got you know they both did things together same thing with Isaac you know and um, Jacob they all work as a team and that is it's so wild to me that two groups of people who both value the Torah or they say they value the Torah so much come to such different conclusions on opposite ends of the spectrum and no offense to the Christians, but I mean, we have it right, I believe, because it is our books. It's ours. Don't so. worry. The Christians will take offense. <laughs> I don't care. You know what? You stole our books. And like I told some people, I told some students this, I uh, answered some of her questions. And one of the things I said was, this is what I want every Christian to understand you wouldn't have your religion if it wasn't for us so Mm -hmm. stop dogging us you have Mm -hmm. your religion and your messiah because of us yeah just remember that (laughs) i can't believe that people that christians are so i've only realized this in the last year or so like how much we have completely divorced any kind of jewish interpretation of the jewish scriptures from how we learn and apply them like y'all the og shouldn't we be like i don't know maybe learning from y'all but like it's fine it's not fine it's fine no you don't want to they don't want to learn from us because we don't we don't promote that the husband is the end all be the i mean come on the real proverbs 31 woman was running the the household and everything else and she was a breadwinner of the family. Let's be real. You were a merchant of purple cloth. You were like one of the wealthiest members of society. I and mean, her husband, husband was sitting a... at the gate just talking about how good she is. He's not having a job. Yeah. He's like, look at my woman. She's the most amazing woman ever, you know? I mean, it's a partnership. And I just, it bugs me. I don't understand. I just want to know, how are we able to read the first five books of the um what you guys consider the old testament so the jews can read them and the christians read them and where the heck do we get this disconnect from I'm oh like, i can 
I know the answer to that. It's because humans choose meaning. It's, this actually does touch on something that I wanted to talk about. You know, I posted on Facebook a while back that you're going to have a lot of people say, this is what the Bible says, and then proceed to tell you what they think it means. And those two things are not the same. And I have heard so many, so many sermons about the marriage passages, Ephesians, I think it's four or five. I'm bad with numbers, but I can find it in the Bible or first Corinthians, any, any of the places, the few, let's be clear, the very few, most of the Bible does not talk about marriage because marriage is incidental. It's a temporary state. Um, and they will, they will read the verse and then they will talk for 30, 40, 50, 60 minutes about what this verse means and how you're supposed to apply it to your life. And if you don't apply it in these certain ways, women being silent, then you're not following the Bible. But like, no, no, let's get back to what the words actually say and then understand that we apply meaning and interpretation on top of that. And our idea that we can get the meaning from our English translations, which are inherently biased, all of them, you just get to choose your bias because that's how translating works. If you're not fluent in both languages, you have interpretation bias. You have meaning bias because things don't translate correctly across languages. They don't translate directly. Mm-hmm. You're just you're just not getting you're not getting it. So that's how we end up with this whole whole huge divide. Like I have heard sermons preached about how God chose Deborah to be a judge in Israel because, quote, he couldn't find any righteous men who were willing to do the job. I'm like, I'm sorry. The omnipotent God who declared apparently that only people with penises could be in charge couldn't find a dude with a penis to be in charge so he had to make do with a woman? Come on. Come on. I like my, I like the way I have been taught that story much better than that Because again, the interpretation, you know, we are taught that, um, yeah, there were godly men of God in the time of Deborah, but they were not up to the standard that um, Hashem or the name wanted. Hashem wanted a particular person. And I firmly believe that Hashem chose a woman because, like I said, he's omnipotent. He knew what was going to go on. He knew the king was going to be a big baby. And I believe that Hashem was like, you know what? I'm going to raise up a judge who is going to shatter your perception of what's normal or what should be the standard. And I am purposely going to pick someone. I'm going to elevate somebody above you. To show you that I can choose anyone I want. This person is placed here because I chose it. You're only king because I chose for you to be king. But you're not going to win or you're not going to get the glory because that is something that you chose. You chose to be the coward. I chose to use my judge instead, which is why Yael got the victory because, you know, he was like, because the spirit of most of the stories in the Bible, it's always 
David, he won. Um, Gideon won. Joshua, you know, it's always these men. But because, but those men had faith that Hashem would be with them to the very end. And this king didn't. And then he was like, okay, well, you know what? It's time for me to show you that women are just as faithful as men are. And now look at you. You look like the world's worst little wimp because you got scared of a sure victory. So I had to let the women come in and take charge for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the thing is, we can't talk about these things in the conservative evangelical Christian church because, like, you're not supposed to question authority. Like, you ridiculous. Liz, would you mind sharing that quote from yourself that I put in the oh, notes? Sure. I have to go back to it very quickly. Um, well, yeah, and I wanted to share too, like whenever women, whenever women raise concerns or whenever women say um, anything like, like, hey, this is, this is not okay. Or um, whatever, then they're just quoted back. Um, I want to say it's in second Peter, but I'm not hundred percent sure. Um, but it's about how like, Oh, well, Eve, the woman was deceived and therefore women are more easily deceived. And so therefore the fact that you're taking exception to our oppression of you is just you being deceived by Satan. We're not actually oppressing you. You just think you're being oppressed. Like peak gaslighting can we even i'm fine so yeah so i've got that quote now all right um this was from myself from 2017 i saw a quote yesterday about how when you go to college you come back liberal it's true being exposed to hundreds of differing views does cause disillusionment it causes you to think to engage to question I don't think it's so much the world snatching young people from the church. I think it is the realization that churches really seem to only want very specific members. And when you don't fit their stereotypical biased ideal, you are slowly pushed to the edges until it's clear they no longer care whether you show up or not. But when you don't show up or actively just drop out, then they care and they ask, what happened? And then, rather than address the real and underlying problems, they blame the culture, the world, America, instead of taking responsibility and changing their choices or offering more dialogue and discussion. I think that church should be a safe place to have deep conversations and disagree on things and openly really talk to one another, but that is offensive, and we have been called to not offend others. We have been called to be peaceful. We have been called to keep quiet and keep the peace and mediate. So no real conversations are had, no deep connections are made, nothing changes, and the young people keep leaving. You know, um, and suddenly brought to mind that conversation we were having in a in a chat group, Liz, about Josh Duggar. And 
Oh, mm -hmm. the horrors that he has done, the horrors that now how his family and the religious institution that he attended are fighting back and saying, oh, but it weird combinations of, oh, but it doesn't really matter because he's such a nice guy. Like, I'm sorry if you have read even like the summary of the garbage that he looked at, there is nothing nice about him. We were having this conversation in the chat and then the admin rolled in and was like, we can't talk about this because it's gossip. And I was frankly just livid because this is not gossip. This is a matter of public record and we need to talk about it. We need to talk about it so it can stop happening. Mm -hmm. But then she pushed back with, oh, well, but, you know, I can't really do anything about it. You, you can, can talk though. about it. Yes. I mean, and what gets me is this whole, it's gossip thing. To me, that's just that whole conversation. I was reading the screenshots that you sent. I was like, this person is of the firm belief that whatever happens inside a church institution or a church body should stay within the church, which means this person could potentially see something like this happen and they would never think to go to the authorities. They'd never think to help the, um, the victim get in touch with an attorney. They would never think of getting the court date for the victim so they could get their justice, which goes against my entire religion because it is built on the foundation of get just justice you know seek justice and give justice and so when I see things like the Josh Duggar case I will share about them and I will do my research and I will make sure that I am prepared when those conservative Christians come on and they're like well this is hearsay nope this is exactly what was said in the court this attorney like I found the court records for everything in there no, this attorney said this, this is what happened. They showed this inside the court. And if they showed it inside the court, that means it is solid evidence. Sorry, but in a courtroom, you cannot just say, well, so-and-so said that sister said, no, no, no. They want, they well, want I the learned that on the uh, Johnny Depp Amber Heard case. Hearsay. Yes. <laughs> I was like, Here's you, know, you have objection. to have the physical evidence and they had so much of it and still I saw people in the um, conservative evangelical movement, whatever you see online is gossip. No, those attorneys, they did not build their career on the backs of gossip. They know what they're doing and they are trying to help the victims get justice and the church is holding them back from that. But those same people in the church will then scream, what about our children? You don't get to scream about the children and not give them justice at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. The Well my one of my things is like the church that we're attending now um like they're really big into quote social justice. And it's not I mean I don't know like to conservatives anything social justice is like super woke and it's it's not like that. Um but they literally just go back to every time God was literally like, hey, do justice, be mm -hmm. just, bring justice to the oppressed. 
like they go back to all of those references and they're like it's in the bible we're just literally you know like loving the loving the orphans um we are just literally building up the future generation of um of the church and of our communities and of our society and stuff like that and so it it comes off you know it can come off as like oh they're so woke and social justice and it's literally just like you know all those times in the old and new testament when god was like hey you need to love people and you need to be just that's what they're doing yeah fastest way to piss god off oppressed people yes Go ahead, Yael. I think the reason why the conservative church sees social social justice as this woke thing, you know, you're a social justice warrior, you're this liberal. I think the reason why they see it as that is because their version of justice has become so perverted and so twisted from what it was supposed to be that when they see people who aren't Christians or they don't have this religious background in it's rooted in justice and they see them giving the victims the justice that they need and they deserve it's so foreign to them and they don't recognize that no they're actually seeking the real biblical justice they may not know they're seeking that for the victim but that is what they are seeking for the victim mm-hmm. um, and you know common law was built on the backs of that system not all of the way but it has those roots in you know zedekah zedekah i give you justice justice i give you and justice you shall seek that it's rooted in that but they've gotten so accustomed to justice can only look a certain way only certain people can give it to them only certain people qualify as victims and so when they Mm -hmm. see actual biblical justice being carried out they're just like oh no 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 that's social justice you know that's just the woke mob they're they're attacking us they're doing this and they don't realize that they're actually doing what the church is supposed to be doing they're doing the church's job. That last line where you said, oh, come on, I just had it. Nope, it's gone. Oh, only certain people get to be victims. That hits. That hits. You know, mm-hmm. if you're a child, well, are you really a victim? Because you're supposed to be under your parents' authority. Are you a wife being beaten and abused by your husband? Well, you know, I mean, that's wrong of him, but you're supposed to be under his authority. It's too bad that he's using his authority against you. That does not give you freedom from his authority over you. And like, yes, it does. Otherwise, God would have been wrong in releasing anybody from any oppression ever he just should have fixed the hierarchy from the top down i just thought of that and that's amazing and i'm really angry now but it's true it's just like you know like when i was uh sexually assaulted i was not looked at as a victim the person who did it was looked at as a victim because my family wanted to go after him and I think oh, that's when him. it really, yeah, that's when it hit me. And I was just like, these people, this man could have killed me yeah. and they would have still been crying for him because, oh, he's being locked up in jail for this. And that's His what it, I was just like, life is ruined. Yes. Yeah, so I'm like, the one that has to live with PTSD now for the rest of my life. And that's, I'm exactly not- how, that's exactly how it was. I was just like, I have to deal with this. 
I have to be the one to go into therapy. I have to be the one. I mean, that was so long ago. And every year around August, it just hits me. And I hate mm-hmm. the month of August because of that. And I'm like, and I have to deal with this for the rest of my freaking life. And you're yep. worried about him. I'm like, mm-hmm. what about? And then, and I know um, I got off relatively easily compared to some people who experienced abuse in the church. And I'm like, what about them? And some of them, that person is a pastor and he is still preaching. And uh. every time they hear his name, all those memories come flooding back. And I'm like, but no, 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 poor pastor. You're just trying to, you're just trying to ruin his marriage, ruin his reputation, ruin his life. I'm like, what about her life, her, her marriage, her reputation? Because the church will slander her all the time just for even going, well, remember that one time when pastor so-and-so did this? They're like, oh, look at you bringing that up again. I swear that hierarchy is created and designed to foist the consequences of the people in power's actions onto the backs of their victims. Reporting someone for a crime is not bad. It's not hurting them. They chose to do the crime. They made that choice. And touching back on the SBC document of those hundreds of pastors and elders and deacons and whoever all it was, they chose to do that. And then the church chose to cover it up because what do we have to protect? Is it the victims? No, we have to protect the church, the ministry, my personal power base. If you are not willing to fully experience the extent of the consequences you brought upon yourself, you are not truly repentant. And that's what this hierarchy does. It places the burden on the women, on the children. And this system attracts predators, yes, but I believe it also creates them. And that's why I think, that's why I believe is one of the reasons why sexual assault, sexual predation, is so rampant in the church. And I think we're just discovering it. I think this is still just the tip of the iceberg, you know, because for decades now, the responsibility to keep men from lusting has been foisted off onto girls, young girls, like eight years old. Oh, younger. I was taught about modesty. Um, I can remember in like first grade, kindergarten. Oh my first gosh. Grade. You barely even have a body in first grade. I mean, come on. You're flat. I mean, the reason why your pants fall off because you don't got a butt. Come on. You know, and they're kids. Like, I remember as a young eight, uh, girl, I was doing some, I was climbing something. And I'm wearing, this was like early 2000s. So, you know, I just have like kid link denim shorts and a t-shirt. And I did something and I think I fell over backwards. And so, you know, what happens? Your shirt rides up, but not all that much. Freaking like six, I think at the time. 
and a woman got on to me because well we can all see your belly so you need to cover it because you know that's not right that that's bad that was a bad thing I'm like I fell <laughs> I was on the playground and I fell and you want to get mad at me for this I mean they teach kids at a young age and that's why I believe that that's why the victims don't want to come forward when they're children or they're teenagers teenagers because they're taught that their body is is something bad and that like you know well he did this to me because I was bad or I tempted or you know and then when you convince a group of people that it's their fault by teaching them doctrine like this they will always believe that oh that pastor was the victim not me well touching on you know what you were saying even when you're too ashamed to let kids say the proper names like I was raped when I was four and I didn't remember it till I was 30. One of the things I discovered through therapy and and remembering that experience was that I had zero language for it. It would have been literally impossible for me to tell my mother what had happened. I had no words, zero words for what happened to me, for the parts of me that they touched, for the for anything that they did to me. I didn't have language. But so many conservative Christian parents, like, well, we got to protect the children from anything sexual. So we can't ever tell them like the proper names of their body. When research clearly shows that if you want the best way to protect a child from a sexual predator is to give them language. The tell them right, the proper name. Yes, the proper name, not these, not these little stupid cutesy wootsy names you know it absolutely leads to awkward moments but like we're grown-ups we can live with awkward moments right you know your three-year-old screaming out in the grocery store I have babysat so many children and I was so happy that all the kids I babysat for they were taught the proper names for things by the same time it did get a bit awkward at times like you said and I used to teach different um martial arts and all that we had a kid he kicked me in my penis <laughs> it out loud in the middle of a class and you're just standing there going oh lord help me god help me i think the kids it's called a pain no it's not it's a penis you're just like, <laughs> And you just have, and then they're arguing. And so then you're like, okay, so your parents are teaching the right way. That's great. Okay, can we please stop talking about penis? <laughs> no, <laughs> too late. The train is gone. The kids are running. It's left the station. Yes. Oh, but that will also lead the like, because we need to laugh a little bit more. Uh, I had a little girl, why don't I have a penis? I'm like, no. That's qualified for this anatomy session. <laughs> I'm like and as awkward as that was trying to like teach kids quit saying penis I'm very proud you know what that is that is amazing more power to please stop yelling it in class just just (laughs) stop but at the same time you know looking back and he needed those kids needed to know what the proper term was you know and 
And it was just used in a situation where one kid got a bit too rough and was lazy and kicked someone below the belt. And I'm like, okay. And that was an easy fix type thing. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, I think I would rather hear a little kid, yo, he kicked me in my penis, as opposed to he kicked me in my pee-pee. <laughs> yeah. You know? It was quite ridiculous. I was well into my 30s when I learned the difference between vulva and vagina. I don't think my mom even knows the difference. And she's like 65, 66. Oh, I got one worse. I know a person. Um, she didn't know what a clit was. I oh, taught Lord. her that. She thought it was all one thing. No. It's a vagina. And I was just like. <laughs> no, that, that, yeah, that was my mom's entire life. Vagina and boys have a penis. Well, actually, general more complicated than that. But like, again, going back to hierarchy and power, if you don't have words, if you don't have knowledge about your own body you are powerless you are powerless you can't even speak for yourself and women and children and boys are just silenced and silenced and silenced and silenced because you can't question authority. You are under your pastor's power. You are under your elder's power. You are under your father's authority. You are under your husband's authority. And it's not functional. It sets up predation, you know? And then it's so bizarre because while it's setting up this, this horrible predatory cycle, it simultaneously makes men the victims. So I don't know if you guys remember the TikTok that Liz sent us, or maybe it was you, Yael, about the lady saying- I was gonna say, I didn't send a TikTok, so. When you, when you're, when you reject your husband sexually, he feels rejected as oh, no, I didn't send that. And I'm just like, Yes, I did send that one. I for, I forgot because that one was a Facebook one. I was thinking specifically TikTok. I'm like, I don't have a TikTok. But yes, because my husband sent that to me because he he found it somehow and he was like, this is just so hilarious. And so then we were just picking it apart and pulling it apart all night. It, we were tar and feathering it. It was really funny. Yeah, I mean, it's ridiculous. You know, and, and but when you on to say, oh, go ahead, Liz. Well, I was going to say like, but when you as a person, so as a man in hierarchy, in patriarchy, when you, when you encapsulate your entire identity as a person into your sexuality, then when you're rejected sexually, like your entire is threatened and rejected. It's like if it's like if you were to take your entire personhood and wrap 100% of every component of who you are as a person into like your love of chocolate and like to for someone to not let you have chocolate was like an assault 
to your like to every component of your core personhood instead of being like yeah I like chocolate but I could take it or leave it or yeah now is a good time to have chocolate because it's after dinner but maybe before dinner isn't such a good time to have chocolate like being able to differentiate or being like you know well chocolate's really good but it's not who you know it's not everything of who I am as a person okay, Liz, it's but I need a to component stop coming for me of about something chocolate. I like <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, it's sitting on my coffee table I'm looking at it right now. <laughs> she's she's telling herself, you know, you really want that chocolate, but you have to wait till after we're recording. <laughs> yes. Anyway, I just like snacked through the entire recording. This is my lunch break. It's fine. Um, so just to wrap up really quickly, um the other thing that I took away from that video was that she then went on to say. And a husband needs to know that you desire him. Well, like if you want, if your husband wants you to want him, he should just learn to be good at sex. I'm sorry. That's just facts. Like, and to get quite personal with my personal life here, we all know that I'm fine with that. When we got married, Jordan was severely depressed. His libido was basically non-existent. And I was having sex for the first time in my life because being raped does not count. And I would, we would, even on our honeymoon, I'd be like, hey, let's, let's have some sex. And he'd be like, I'm too tired. I don't feel like it. I don't want to. Boy, that was really painful. I survived. I'm fine. And then sometimes like, you know, sex isn't that great because you're tired or whatever, but you know, when sex is really good, it's good. yes, I will take another helping of that right now. Let's get going again. Let's get busy. You know, so if you want your wife to desire you, it is not on her to pretend or to not reject you or to say, I'm sorry, I'm in so much pain. If anybody touches me, I'm going to vomit. Oh, I'm being rejected as a person. Just like do better at sex. It's, if you want to be desired be desirable yeah. yes it's not an entitlement and too many men in the conservative evangelical christian church are taught that marriage is their license to sex whenever and however they please and it's not about the woman it's about him and she was made to please him, not the other way around. And then we wonder why these guys with these teachings flooded into them, then go around and sexualize every woman and girl that they see and rape people or have porn problems. Well, they're, they're, they're entitled to it because they're in a position of power and they have to exercise that power. And I really like how you, you mentioned that, though, because I saw something so good the other day. Um, this woman, she uh, commented on someone's thing. And she said, you know, I'm a lesbian. And you don't see me uh, raping every woman I see on the street. And you don't see me sexualizing every attractive woman I see. And she's like, and I'm just as attracted to a woman as you are. And she's like, but you don't see me do this. And she's like, it is not a woman. It's not the woman that you're wanting it's the power you want over her and she was like 
Yes. That's that's the thing. Mm-hmm. This guy, he was trying to say, well, you know, well, anybody who's attracted to women does this. And she's like, um, the lesbians over here beg to differ. She's like, this is a male. She said, it is and a male And also the problem. lesbians tend to be better at sex. Yeah. Because, <laughs> like, we know things. Well, even aside from just, like, knowing things, you don't come to the relationship with this hierarchical mind complex where sex is about you and your dick. There's also this thing called communication. <laughs> oh, but men can't communicate. God didn't design them that way. Not that we haven't cultured them to be that way for centuries. Well, and, and Oh, sorry. Not be directing your communication. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Don't be directing your communication. Remember, men's fragile little egos can't take it. (sighs) Okay. We went wildly off tangent, as usual, and followed, like, I don't know, maybe 15% of the outline that I spent an hour on. (laughs) No, we we followed most of it. I've been keeping (laughs) up with it. Good. Um... (laughs) So let's see, next week, we're probably wrapping up on this topic. I will in, guys, we all know, I'm gonna do it last second. We're just gonna accept that undiagnosed ADHD chick is doing the things last second and that's how it is. So feel free to do your own research or suggestions about what we should have this topic on next week. It's still gonna be on the sexual assault in the church. Um, Oh, I know exactly what I wanna bring up next week already. I have to find the article to send it. Nice. Okay. And I think that's it for this week. So we will see you guys next week. Please send in any questions, comments. If you're rude, we'll probably ignore them because we have healthy boundaries now. Yes. (laughs) Well, I'll read them, but. (laughs) (laughs) We'll read them. We'll talk about them amongst ourselves. You won't hear about it. <laughs> we will not engage with them. Yes. But we will drag you in our chat. Oh, for <laughs> reals. <laughs> and Liz and I will drag you to our husbands and our husbands will join in. Let me tell you, they can really go the distance.